This is Headshots, the psychology and gaming podcast with your hosts, Josue Cardona, an engineer-turned-mental-health and ed-tech guru, and psychologist and game scholar, Dr. Kelly Dunlap. I was, I was catching Pokemon on, on my way over, so I took a very long route <laughs> to, to get to the subway, and then I stood outside uh, Union Square. Did you see the photo I sent you? Yes, and I'm totally jealous. <laughs> it's not fair. There's like six Pokestops right there in that corner. And I believe when I sent you the picture, three of them had lures on them. An oh Ivasaur showed up. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is totally not fair. I too am. I too am in the, the Pokemon Go Team Instinct all the way. Team Mystic Blue. <laughs> well, at least we're not Team Valor, so Mm-mm. you know we can we can agree on that one. But you know, like, around here, it's. I think the most torturous thing. I'll have to send you a picture. There is a Pokestop that is right next to my apartment, but it's literally ten feet further away than I can get to. Uh, my apartment building has a, a fence that goes around it, and the pokey stops on one side of the fence. I'm on the other, and so I've I've walked up to the fence. I put my hand through the fence to try because it the the uh, little radar blip is just brushing against it, but it's not activating. So it's it's pretty much torture. And yeah. then you send me that picture with ten stops all <laughs> like throwing a party, and I, I I'm not gonna lie, I cried. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not fair. It's not fair. Because um, if you lived right on top of that Pokestop, it also wouldn't be fair. I mean, especially if you spent money. Anyway, but I'm, I'm glad I wasn't late <laughs> to, to our inaugural um, episode of Headshots. And I can't even think of a better episode to to kick it off on. Uh, you know, we've been wanting to do this kind of a, a podcast specifically on gaming and psychology. And then right as we're ready to launch... You know, boom, here comes Pokemon Go. And there's there's so much to say about it. And I'm so psyched. Yeah, it was it's there was there's nothing else to talk about. <laughs> right. I mean, there is no other option to to get us started. And I think that if it wasn't because of of how how just unbelievable this this past week, week and a half has been in terms of Pokemon Go just being everywhere. We probably wouldn't even have launched the show, I think, for a, another couple of weeks, to be honest. It's just, we, we, I, I want to talk about it. The time is nigh. Yes. You know, we, we, yeah. we, can't, we can't let this pass up. So, uh, of course, we're talking about Pokemon Go. It's been out for about a week at the time of this recording. And if you don't know what Pokemon Go is, I, you must live under a, a rock Yep. Or something, because I turn on the TV and on CNN, they're talking about it. On the Game Show Network, they're talking about it. On every channel, there's some mention of Pokemon Go. It is an augmented reality app for your smartphone that allows you as a player to track and hunt Pokemon. The small pocket monsters from, I know, my childhood, from, from when I was growing up, used to be a card game uh also a digital game on like your DS, a Nintendo product, and now you can hunt them in your in your real life. And you're part of a team and you're trying to take these Poke gyms and because you get coins as well as uh, the catchphrase of Pokemon itself, gotta catch them all. Did you did you know that Pokemon Go was coming? I did, yes. And were you aware? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't did you think it would be this big? I don't know if I thought it would be this big. I knew I was excited. I remember reading something about, uh, I think it was about eight months or maybe even a year ago at this point that was talking about how Pokemon Go was was coming. And as somebody who is uh, in a game design program filled with nerds who are also, you know, as card nerds as well as game nerds, uh, it was something that we talked a lot about. And I, I know I'm a huge fan of augmented reality. I played Ingress for a little while, which... Uh, we can talk about later, but it itself is another augmented reality game, and it just wasn't as I don't know. It didn't it didn't catch me. It didn't it didn't excite me uh, like the way this does. So I I I don't think I foresaw Pokemon Go surpassing Tinder, which I think it did on its second day, or having more active users than Twitter, which it has in the first week. But I definitely knew it was going to be a a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, and it hasn't even rolled out as of this recording in every country. No, no. I, like Canada still doesn't have it. 
I don't think... UK the, just got it yesterday. UK just got it. Your other European countries don't have it. I don't think Spain has it. I thought I saw an article about that. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's mostly just... Japan doesn't even have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of unbelievable. But but Pokemon is... Like, I, I, I think that Pokemon itself, just the, the recipe that has always been there, it, it shouldn't surprise me so much. Because I've been thinking, why do people like the game so much? And there's so many things being written about it, just nonstop, and, and so many explanations. And I don't, I don't, I haven't seen any that really get into the fact that Pokemon has been doing this exact thing for you know not all um not ar but definitely the collection aspect and the weirdness of the monsters and you know when pokemon red and blue came out there were two versions the the idea of trading and collaborating was designed into the product how many products exist that don't you know as they when you buy it it doesn't there's no way for you to have the full experience without talking to other people and and that that's just what Pokemon is like. They invented that, you know. And and so I shouldn't be as surprised, but I'm just I am still shocked. I cannot believe <laughs> that I walk around the city. Um, that's New York City where, where I live, right? And it is it is absurd. It is ridiculous. I cannot believe that there are just people everywhere playing the game. I went to the zoo yesterday, and in line, you know, people from every single demographic are playing the game together. And people saw me like, you know, I'm, it's, it's Pokemon, you know, go and stop and go, <laughs> right? And so like there's that moment where, oh, I stopped. I'm doing something and people would see me and just ask, oh, what team are you on? Like they, they already knew that I was playing. It felt, oh, felt, it felt so good. <laughs> I know I definitely have been driving around and uh, there was one place I pulled over. It was an apartment building, and but it had a lure. So I just kind of pulled into the parking lot real quick to get – you know, sit for a while, get my Pokestop, get the lure. And I looked around, there were about four or five cars all with their hazards on, just like me. And then there's a little courtyard park area right outside of the apartment building that had about four or five people who were walking around. And as I sat there, I noticed a lot of people, you know, coming from like across the street or walking through the nearby field, you know, getting back into their cars and whatnot. So it it's really kind of cool to look out my window, whether I'm driving, whether I'm home, and see people. And if they have their phone out in a very specific way, you know they're playing. And this this concept that you talked about, that people just kind of coming up to you and it being an incredibly social thing, I, I think that's probably the, the, most, the most widespread anecdote I've heard. I've heard a lot of things about Pokemon Go through Facebook and Twitter and through friends and, and whatnot. But the social aspect of it, I think, is definitely central to why this game is so popular. Did you play the original, um, like red, blue, yellow? I did. I had I had yellow. Cool. I never, I honestly, never played the card game, but I did have yellow. Yeah. So so you know when you had a Game Boy Game Boy Color, the the cartridge would be in the back, so you could see what somebody had in their Game Boy. You know, it's not as easy right now with a cell phone because, you know, you're looking at it. I mean, there are, there are um, behaviors <laughs> that you can see someone doing that will probably make you think, oh, they're playing. They're definitely playing Pokemon. But, but on the Game Boy, it was one of those things where you didn't have to walk up to somebody and ask them, oh, are you playing Pokemon? Because you could see it. There was, I don't know, something about that. Even if the cartridges were, were different colors. So there was... That, that was such a cool aspect of it, of just being a kid and walking up to somebody and just knowing that, that you had this thing in common and, and you were doing it. And now to see, to see those kids grown up, because the, a lot of people that I talk to about it are my age. Mm-hmm. And, and there is, for me at least, it's definitely a nostalgia trip. It is, it is you know, reminiscing about watching the TV show, um, you know, even, even, you know, when you don't have a Pokemon in your, in your Pokedex and you only see the silhouette, it's like in the old cartoon series where you had to guess what Pokemon it was based on their, on their silhouette. And there, there's so many throwbacks and so many things that I, I, I just can't believe that they're, they're able to capitalize on this in, in, in this way and, and then have it get to that level. Like I, I'm going around, I'm walking around, right? So I see people, people are walking and they just stop. The car thing, I mean, that kind of blows my mind 
because I, I didn't imagine that. And I haven't seen that in the city. That would be really, really dangerous. <laughs> yes, yes. For disclosure, I live in a city, but not not a big, not, not New York City. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, I mean, there's a lot of dangerous stuff happening. <laughs> people are people are using this in, in such, even, even in the worst uses of it, it's being used in a really smart way. Like, you've, I, I can't, um, help but be impressed by the guys who set up a lure and then um, robbed 11 people in an empty parking lot at night. Like that was just smart. It's messed up, but it's smart. <laughs> and the way different people are using the game is, is, is impressive. And that's kind of like the amazing thing, the way it's having an effect on commerce and the way it's having an effect on not just socializing, um, but, but businesses and, and tourism. It's, it's, it's incredible. I'm, I'm again. I'm just. I just. I just got home from from playing, from just walking. What usually would have been a half hour trip took me about an hour and a half. As I was, and and I was, you know, it was kind of research too for for right now. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. I was playing more and and trying to be really observant. Whew, man, and one of my favorite things that has happened to to me at least recently is, I was having a bad day at work, and. I brought up casually to somebody, you know, I asked them, are you, are you playing Pokemon Go? It's like, of course. And that completely changed this bad day where we, it continued to be a bad day where we were doing menial, boring tasks. But now we were all checking, you know, our app every now and then. And, you know, there were, we had conversations and, and comments like, hey, I'm going to go grab a tea. You want to go? And I said, no, I'm good. I bought a coffee earlier. And I get this look like, what are, I didn't really mean gonna go to get a tea. Like, let, let's go outside and catch some Pokemon. You know, <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> and it, 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 Pokemon Go is making it. It is, it is definitely altering <laughs> um, a few a few different things in my life, at least for now. Yeah, the I mean, there's the the personal stories that you hear about, which tend to be mostly positive, uh, but there's definitely been some sensationalized media stories. I know that the two most common that I've seen so far is uh, are diametrically opposed. One is Pokemon is the end of times. And the other one is Pokemon is going to save the world. And this it has been- bother so- me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, anything that's at, at the, the outer reaches of a spectrum is is pretty extreme. So the, the first one, I mean, you mentioned the kids who set up a Pokestop to rob people. Obviously, that's, you know, that's a-, a a terrible thing. And, you know, it, it got so much coverage. It was yeah. one incident and it got so much coverage. Incredibly um, smart, but very, very bad. Right. Very, very innovative. You know, I guess I, guess I got to give props where they're due. Yeah. Um, but also stuff like on my Facebook feed, I have a lot of my gamer friends who have their feeds up that, you know, it's all pro Pokemon, look what I caught, very, very excited. Uh, and then there started to be this kind of counter meme to, you know, sorry, I don't know what Pokemon Go is because I'm an adult. And so to, to me, that's been kind of the, I actually had somebody post on my Twitter feed that it, or my Facebook feed, actually, that this is, it took a picture of people playing Pokemon Go in the park and it was like, this is the end of times. And, I'm and all those ch- people probably had a huge smile on their faces. Oh, yeah. All <laughs> these people are out, outside being physically active, interacting socially with their friends. That sounds like an okay end of times to me. Yeah. If yeah. if that's the case. But those two examples, I think, really capture um, probably one of the things that irritates me the most about the criticism of Pokemon. Because there, there's a lot of things to criticize. Again, it's not perfect. We all know the servers are frustrating. Got to breathe for a second when I talk about the servers. Don't get me started. on. I, I can't we, we believe how popular there. it is yeah. and how buggy it is. But con- it's, continue. It's pretty, it's pretty buggy, buggy. And I'm not even just talking about the insect types. So... A lot of the backlash I've seen to Pokemon, uh, Pokemon Go in particular, is this idea that it is for kids and that somehow as an adult, you should be ashamed of playing or you shouldn't be playing. Or if you are playing, you're somehow shirking your responsibilities. And I had a a lengthy post that I I shared a a few days ago, which I'm sure we're going to come back to. But I think that is definitely the number one thing that irks me about this, this anti meme thing, which, which always happens, you know, whenever something fun happens, there's always somebody who's, who's going to be trying, trying to be a jerk and ruin it. Um, But this, 
idea that play is only for kids, and that if you engage in play, you are somehow juvenile and childish, and you are not an adult, or you're not serious, or that there's something wrong with you. And so this this culture of stigmatizing play really, really gets to me more than more than anything else, more than the news cycle, you know, exploding about, you know, the kids getting robbed, or every time something bad happens, and the phone is involved, automatically, it's Pokemon Go's fault. And, you know, even even beyond that, this central idea that games are for kids, and if you're an adult playing a game, there's something inherently wrong with you. And I, I mean, to me, that's that's the end of times. If I was to say the, the, the end is nigh, it's not because people are out playing, but because people have stopped playing. Yeah. And I mean, we know the ESA facts are that the average gamer is age 35. It's 50-50 men and women. So, you know, that argument is absurd. But but it's it's because it's so popular the the contrary opinion is going to get you a lot of attention right and so if everybody is excited and talking about something that you're not really into or you don't like and you start yelling which is really easy on social media and online um it becomes you know it becomes it becomes very easy for people to suddenly look away and and give you some attention and and I, I mean, what else is going on there? Do you think? I I think it's a really sad actual kind of reflection on how we view play in general. And is even if you weren't playing Pokemon Go, there's the stigma that video games are a waste of time for adults, or that they are just a thing for children, which is obviously statistically not true. Uh, another one of the ESA facts, there's more women over 25 who play video games than males under 18. Mm-hmm. So, you know, po- Pokemon <laughs> games are for everyone. Play <laughs> is for everyone. And I mean, you see, you see adult play spaces that are quote unquote sanctioned. So for example, if you think about any kind of sporting event where, you know, people have cheese heads and have Green Bay Packers written across their naked chests and it's like 10 degrees outside, that seemed completely normal. That is a form of play. You know, you are you are playfully engaging with the people around you at a game, literally a game, but that scene is appropriate because it's it's contained in a specific spot at a specific time. It's like, okay, this is where you as an adult are allowed to play. And at the same time, other play spaces like casinos get a really bad rap associated with them because part of it is play, but also gambling, puritanical stuff. We won't go into that. But yeah, there, there is definitely a underlying social construct that play is childish. So I'm, what I'm hoping is that as Pokemon Go continues to change the world, and I don't, I don't even mean that hyperbolically, but continues to change the world, that hopefully people's ideas and understandings about play in general just kind of, they get better or, or more accepting that it's, it's okay to, it's okay to be an adult and it's okay to play. I, I don't think you can... I don't think that can be overstated. Is play is healthy and it is critical to to happiness. I mean, there's a, a really famous quote. I know Jane McGonigal uses it in her book. I used it in my dissertation. Uh, and I, I, unfortunately, I cannot for the life of me remember who said it. But the quote is, the opposite of happiness, uh, no, the opposite of play is not work. The opposite of play is depression. And that, I mean, that to me just, that sums it all up. That says everything that you would ever need to know about the importance of play. And I mean, we've made, we, I mean, the, the world <laughs> has made, right? We, as, as a community, we've, we've made strides in kind of reaffirming that, right? And, and it's been more and more accepted that play has these benefits, especially in regards to video games, right? I think that the darkest times in terms of, of video games are bad and, and, and that video games as a whole are the sign of the end times. I think we're, we're, we've moved so far from that that hearing that now, I don't, uh, honestly, I don't believe it's so much about that. I think it's, it's an easy thing to latch onto, an easy idea to kind of reach back and and use as an excuse to just hate on something that's really really popular. To be honest, I don't think mm-hmm. I think that the popularity of the game is doing more for gaming than 
those negative remarks are are hurting it. Yeah. That's that's how I feel about what's going on. Because it really is transcendent. And it is it's one of the few examples where different people are playing it for completely different reasons and in different ways. Right? Like right. you may just be incubating those eggs, but that other person with you is actually just trying to evolve that magic harp. You know, and, and <laughs> they really, really want the bad. Was it Magic King? I think is the next one. Um, no, doesn't it go straight to a, a Gyarados? No, yeah. I will totally admit when the little shadow comes up, I only know the, about half of the Pokemon. <laughs> and as as it's a funny story when I was doing uh, work with kids in therapy, and obviously Pokemon was a really popular topic in therapy uh, way before you had Pokemon Go. They had like the old school cards, so it was serious. And I remember telling the kids I was working with that when I was growing up, there were only 151 Pokemon, and they didn't believe me. Yeah. You would have thought I told them that the moon was made out of cheese or that I had a third eyeball. It it was just beyond their comprehension that at some point there were only 151. Yeah. I'm not sure if Sun and Moon is going to hit 1,000. I think it will. But um, but I'm not exactly sure what the number is going to be. But at the at the current state, I think it's – in the 700s or 800s. I don't remember exactly where we are. It's a lot. <laughs> right. So, I mean, again, the, there's been good coverage. There's been bad coverage. Or rather, positive coverage and negative coverage of the game. Uh, as, of course, you're going to see with anything that has this kind of widespread attention. Uh, and, I mean, the fact that I know Hillary Clinton announced that she was going to have a couple of her rallies at Pokestops. Like that's yeah. how big this. That's how big Pokemon Go is, and yeah, and to I, register voters, uh, voter, blah, to register voters? voters, is that a new Pokemon? <laughs> is that like a patriotic Pokemon that I can I can sign up as? I bet you there is one. Uh, and I, I saw somebody actually tweeting like, "Can we please have super rare Pokemon at the at the polls this November?" And I was thinking that is such a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just yeah. like um, was it? I think I think I sent you a message when when that girl infamously found the dead body. Yeah, and I thought, what if law enforcement could somehow, you know, increase the rate of appearances of Pokemon or, or like you said, a, have a special Pokemon appear in an area. All of a sudden, you have all these people going to this area. And yeah, they're playing Pokemon Go. But at the same time, there's the possibility that you're going to find this kid that's been lost or anything, you know, a kid or a, a, an elderly person or, you know, like an Amber Alert goes out and then suddenly you can... I mean, you know, Niantic just like automatically set it up so that if there's an uh, Amber Alert in the area, there's some sort of increase. I mean, that would that would actually that could work. That could yeah. really really work. And the same idea, you know, get people registered to vote, get people to actually vote. Um, it is it is. I am shocked. I've, I think I've said that before, <laughs> but. I, I know someone who works at a military base, and they received some emails saying that you know there are reports of people trying to get into the base because of the because you know there's Pokemon um, in in the base, and kind of warning people about that and to make sure to report it if if they see it and if they know anybody that's thinking about doing something like that to tell them not to do that. Which is actually really funny. I, since I live in Washington, D.C., there is a Pokestop inside the Pentagon, of which, course. <laughs> of course, makes people in this area unhappy because most of us can't get into the Pentagon. There's also a Pokestop outside the Capitol building, um, outside most of the Capitol office buildings, outside the White House. And so there's this really fun battle going on over, you know, where the White House is. White House under Team Mystic's control or Team Valor's control or Team <laughs> Instinct's control. And uh, my husband works on Capitol Hill and... He was telling me it was really sad. There was only when last time he went there, there was one like small Pidgeotto on the Capitol building, and that was it. And so he took it down and claimed the Capitol building, and <laughs> uh, was was so happy and excited uh, about that. So yeah, there's definitely some interesting places that that they're coming. And again, it's important to know that the places where you're finding these Pokestops are based on where the where the older game, also made by Niantic, who made uh, this particular app for Pokemon Go, uh, they made Ingress, which was a game about capturing portals. Uh, but again, not didn't obviously nearly have the success of Pokemon Go, but they pretty much just mapped the Pokestops over the Ingress portals. Yeah. And that's led to some interesting headlines. Uh, one of my personal favorites was people freaking out that people were playing Pokemon Go at the Arlington National Cemetery. 
and at the Holocaust Museum, also DC-based locations. Yeah. And I think one of the most controversial things I've ever posted in my life uh, was that you can't blame the player for for that. Because people are getting really, really upset. Like, how dare you? And show some respect and blah, 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 blah. And, and my brain – and again, I'm, not, I'm sure there's going to be people who don't agree. But in my head, if the person's playing a game and they're playing within the rules of the game, you can't – you can't apply rules outside the game to the game itself. Like you can't take an arbitrary rule that exists beyond the circle of play, the magic circle, quote unquote, um, and then arbitrarily apply it to the world within the game. That doesn't make sense. So to me, the fact that people are playing Pokemon in the Holocaust Museum and in the Arlington National Cemetery and other places like that, it doesn't really bother me. And one, because playing in inappropriate places has really interesting uh connotations. If you haven't read Jane McGonigal's dissertation or her book, Reality is Broken, both of those address playing. Uh, I think one, she specifically talks about play during the Holocaust. And another in her book, uh, Reality is Broken, there's actually a chapter on playing uh, card games in a, um, not on a gravestone, it's called grave, Tombstone Poker is what it's mm-hmm. called. Yeah. But you're playing games in, there we go, cemetery. That's what I'm looking for. So one, I know there's research behind it. I know that these places are super taboo to have any kind of enjoyment in. So there's some social constructionism there that I don't mind breaking down. And on the other hand, at the end of the day, you can't blame the... It sounds cheesy, but you can't blame the player. You have to play in the game. Uh, I mean, if if there's Pokemon are there, people are going to go catch them. So, and expecting somebody to not do that, to me, it doesn't make sense as somebody who is a game designer and a psychologist. Like, of course, if there's Pokemon there, people are going to go. That's because when you're in a play state, you're in a different state of mind. You don't it. Think about a little kid when they're playing. (laughs) It's not that they're not in reality, because that would be a totally different thing. But they're living and playing in a world that has its own rules and its own expectations. And when you're in that world, that's what you that's what you live by. Those are the rules of the game. And the whole point of playing a game is to achieve your objective by overcoming these voluntary obstacles, which happen to be the rules of the game. So I know there's, a, again, a lot of people were very upset about it. And I don't know, I guess at worst, I'm kind of, eh, you know, if, if you really want it to change, then have the developers turn Pokemon off in that location. Because that's all it would take. Yeah. It's, it's the idea... Um, that game design guides player behavior. Yeah, it's not it's not gated, right? Um, at, at this point, like it's completely open, and if somebody really wanted to, they could just GPS in that area. There's nothing there. It's a dead zone. Yeah, they could they could absolutely do that. So, for those players who went out and did it, is it the smartest thing you've ever done? Probably not. Same as the player who you know walked off a, a cliff, or the one who got hit by a car today, or you know, a, a, there's several stupid things that have happened. But the game doesn't make you stupid; it doesn't make you do stupid things. So you behave in a way that is in accordance with the way that the game is designed, which is how you have people playing in the Holocaust Museum. But you also, I mean, to be fair, the game does at the very start say, "Be aware of your surroundings." So. <laughs> Plus, the Holocaust Museum is not a th- – there aren't specific rules in terms of don't – I don't know, don't don't enjoy yourself, don't not be depressed, don't – I don't know. You know, there isn't a sp- specific way to go to a museum, regard- whatever museum it may be, and there – if there's a group of kids who are in the museum – it's possible that some of them don't want to be there. It's possible that that's a huge museum. I've never been, I've been there twice and I've never seen the whole thing. And I could imagine a kid getting tired or an adult or <laughs> anybody, you know, after a while, you're just waiting for somebody else. You start doing something else. Um, is it, If you want to talk about disrespect, there's a million things you could do that would be then disrespectful because you're doing them there and not paying 100% attention to to the the exhibits and to the experience of what's going on there. So again, I see it more of like, well, you know, it's it's extremely popular and somebody posted a picture about it and and it's 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 an easy target 
but it doesn't consider all the people who are talking on their phone, texting. I was just going to say, on Netflix. You know, yeah. <laughs> if someone texts somebody while they're at the Holocaust Museum, is that also blatantly disrespectful? And considering, and considering they were, it was an ingress stop, if you were playing ingress in there, was that also uh, an example? But because it's not as big, nobody cared yeah. or nobody paid attention. Yeah, and, th- and that's an excellent point because ingress has been around for years. Yep. So there was never an issue. Like we're talking about possibly shutting down a Pokestop or creating a dead zone. If it would have been a problem before, somebody w- you know, it would have happened in ingress because this is, this is actually just a skin uh, uh, on top of ingress with then you know, other things attached to it. But that's the foundation. And and the data that they're both feeding off of, I'm sure, is going to continue to be the same. And I, I really think it's all about how you approach it. Because, again, living in Washington, D.C., pretty much all the Smithsonian's and all the museums have had a really different take. I know the, the zoo here and several zoos around the country have started bragging about how many Pokestops they have on their campus, you know, to get people to come in the doors. The I think it was the American Art Museum uh, sent out a tweet about how mm-hmm. they had this Pokemon meetup and that they were had all these Pokestops and were encouraging people to come help take care of their Rattata problem. You know, it's <laughs> so, I and mean, that's so yeah. interesting because the American Art Museum is also a, a serious museum. You know, this is not a kid's museum. This is not touching, you know, these are uh, masterpieces. These are beautiful works that are reflective of our American history. Yeah. And, but it's okay to play there, but not for the Holocaust Museum. So I, I, I definitely feel – I understand why people would be upset and offended. I totally get it. I also feel that there's a little bit of a double standard and it's really easy, as it always is, to blame, game, to blame games for the misbehavior of children, the perceived misbehavior of, of youth. Yeah. Again, I mean, not, it's not just children playing the game. Um, true story, this week I went to the Bronx Zoo. I do not like going to zoos. I do not like seeing animals in captivity. It bugs me a lot. Ironically, I spent the entire day there capturing (laughs) imaginary animals in very, very tiny balls. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the irony. But it made the experience way less painful, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine, imagine how many people, or again, just a personal example, Maybe I could get through the entire Holocaust Museum if I had Pokemon Go with me because it gets intense in there. And all of a sudden, I can take a break um, and catch a Pokemon, you know, see something. Maybe if you have the AR on, you can you can get a picture that is maybe kind of funny, right? Um, there's a Pidgey on somebody's head right next to you, you know, something like that. And all of a sudden your spirits are up a little bit and then you can continue to to have the experience. One thing doesn't necessarily take away from the other. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. Yeah. And and again, you can you can embrace that. Uh, if again the Holocaust Museum is so depressing. It is so depressing. It is impress it is impressive, but is it is very depressing. And Ooh. I think Jay McGonigal put it really well and I'm I'm paraphrasing here that Play is how a lot of people got through the Holocaust, you know, whether they were in camps, whether they were hiding under floorboards, whether they were fighting for to save the world. Being able to engage in play was one of the main ways that people were able to deal with the hardships they were facing. And so seeing play really be shut down in the Holocaust Museum is I, I don't even know if there's a word for it. Uh, but you should definitely check out what what she wrote about it in her dissertation. She she posted it publicly too on on her Twitter feed. So if you haven't read it, uh, I think it's specifically chapter two on the Holocaust and play. And I, I highly highly recommend reading it. Um, speaking speaking of Jane McGonigal, um, yesterday I I tweeted at her and in response to an article that I had read earlier that day. And I'm not proud of this, by the way. But let's. Uh, Let's continue. The, <laughs> the article was something like how Pokemon – oh, it was one of these stupid lists. So it was four ways that Pokemon will, will save the future of education or will be the future of education and one way it will not. Yes, and, I remember that. Oh, that article 
it it bothers me on multiple levels, right? The last few years, I've 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 focused on educational technology, on on the science and psychology of learning, and and this is one of those examples, something you brought up before too, of not only is it the worst thing that has ever happened to humanity, it's also the best thing, and it is going to save everything. Mm-hmm. And, and this is one of those examples, and and it bothered me so much because it simplified all of the issues having to do with with education, and it also seemed like this is another thing that surprised me is how many articles are being written by people who I don't think they've really played the game, right? I don't think they could go into a deep conversation about what it's like and what is actually going on. They try it for a second, or they see what's happening, and then they they start writing about it. And and they just say the th- very outlandish things. And, and this particular article uh, bothered me. So I remember um, responding to to Jane's tweet. Something I, I I really don't I don't like to be negative in terms of this, but it it it, it made me feel something. So I told her like you know I really don't I don't agree with 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 what that article says. And I also um, mentioned part of the kind of the the experience that I've had during this past week, working with um, some middle schoolers that I, I'm working with. And that particular age group, it was really funny, and, and this particular kids, that they f- they seemed to not want to play the game because they saw how the adults in the room were really enjoying it. <laughs> and part of the of what it said in that article was that, well, it's a, it's a fun experience, and we just have to make education fun. And it, it's such a simplification of it because Pokemon has always been way, way more than fun. I don't know what's what point you're at right now in in your gameplay, but I'm already I've already gone past the the simple parts of it, right? And I'm getting into strategy. Right? Like I'm changing my route to come to work. I'm maximizing um when I'm doing it. I'm I'm starting to look at, you know, which Pokemon to 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 evolve more often and in which way so I can maximize XP. I'm thinking, you know, how to use, you know, I'm th- I'm I'm conscious of what eggs I'm incubating. Like there are all these different aspects to it. And to a certain extent, the it isn't like calling something fun is is such a generalization and is so subjective that it kind of bothers me because the way that I'm having fun with it now is at a level that for many people would not be fun at all. Right. But for a lot of people, this this is where it gets good. <laughs> you know, today I finally got to a point where I was thinking about how the gyms work and I was feeling kind of I'm thinking about how kind of unfair the whole system is. Like, I live in the city, and there's Pokestops everywhere. The other day, you told me you ran out of uh, Pokeballs. I am currently out of Pokeballs. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't comprehend that. Every day, I have to throw away um, Pokeballs because I they don't fit in my bag, and I'm afraid. Wow. And I need other stuff, so I'm constantly throwing stuff out. That's it. So it's not fair. And then depending on the the gym where it's at. There are some people that are at a ridiculously high level because they either work or live in a location where they can just farm all day. And I was thinking about how that works. And, and I spent a lot of time thinking about how to take down gyms and things. And then I realized that it's very collaborative. So if a few people kind of start attacking a gym at the same time, you can kind of chip away at it. And mm-hmm. today, for the first time, I was able to get a spot in a gym and awesome. start doing that part. You know, And it's... Like, it took until level 13 for me to really kind of figure that out and maximize how I was going to do that. So there's there's a lot there. It's way more than just make everything into Pokemon Go or apply Pokemon Go to everything. Pokemon has these systems in place that have been adapted for this game in a way that is 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 perfect. Like if if you've played Pokemon before, there there this is the way that you could do a lot of these things for for an AR game for a a free to play experience and and those systems that have existed for a long time are being applied here and I'm glad that people are seeing it, but those systems have been around for a long time and there are different ways to apply the those mechanics. Oh, one of the things that I love is the progression system. I love that after you get to, I believe it's level 10, every level is always 10,000 XP. 
it doesn't grow. It's not 11 and then 12 and then 13 XP mm-hmm. as you keep going up. And and I love that because then every single level doesn't feel like it's out of reach. Because if you just leveled up, you know that you could do that again. It's less grindy. Uh, it is It is way less grindy. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't feel as overwhelming. Because at first I was like, oh, every time it's it's larger. But after 10, you're good. And then you can kind of, you can even build a whole strategy around, okay, so if in the week I do this much or, or in the next couple of days I do, I evolve this many and then I do, I hit this many Pokestops, I can level up. You know, and you can kind of build a plan around it. And all of those things could be applied to education in different ways, but not not in the simplistic way that, again, this particular article did it. So I'm sorry, Jane, for like coming off like uh, dismissive of this thing that you shared. <laughs> but we had a little conversation after, um, sort of, you know, back and forth on on the kid thing, on the cool factor and, and that aspect, which is, again, something that kind of bothered me because it it's really – Education is really difficult and engaging people is really complicated. And the recipe that Pokemon has had for 20 years is so good. And I hope more people pay attention to it and actually do apply it to different things. I think it speaks to just kind of a lack of understanding about games in general, or at least game scholarship in general. Because all of the articles that I've seen, and unfortunately a lot of them start with the psychology of Pokemon – Oh. And I just kind of, I kind of roll my eyes. I mean, I, I personally know some of the people who have written those pieces. I know they probably didn't pick the titles for those pieces. Um, but that's that's really like the last part of this Pokemon phenomenon that kind of grinds my gears, I guess, so to speak, is you have psychologists or you have educators uh, in that case, or people who think they are one of those things, but they are not, saying why this game is so popular, like what it is and how we can apply it. And they really are missing kind of some of the most fundamental aspects of game design when they're talking about it. So it was one of the psychology of of Pokemon articles I read was talking, you know, about, gosh, I can't even remember their points, but it was, you know, oh, it's because uh, collection, you know, human beings like to collect things. And, you know, it's because of nostalgia and so many people are playing because it's nostalgic. Is that the wired one that said, oh, human beings have always walked around collecting things? Yeah, that's one of them. That's one of them. And, you know, for me, I I don't want to pass judgment because before I did my game design degree, I probably would have just said, oh, yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, But now that I have a little more mad skills, I'm, yeah, I've, I've, I've leveled up, so to speak, in my understanding of, uh, of game design. And there's a a really fantastic uh, game scholar named Brian Sutton Smith, who talks a lot about play. And basically, he has seven rhetorics for play. And the idea is that the more of these rhetorics you can hit, the more popular a game's going to be. So, I mean, imagine applying these rhetorics to uh, to the card game, to the digital game, and obviously to Pokemon Go. So that not all seven apply, but then again, it's kind of impossible. Um, so one of them is play as identity. So the fact that we engage in play as a way to construct and confirm social identity so uh, this one in particular is about celebrations and festivals. And I mean, th- when you catch a Pokemon, it's a celebration. And when you take a gym with a group of people, it's a celebration. And people are celebrating their team membership. Like they're using Pokemon Go as a way to identify yourself as a – or to give yourself an identity in the in the world. Another one of the rhetorics is play as imaginary. So this mean- means that – People engage in play because of the imaginative or creative or innovative function of it. Pokemon Go definitely hits all that. I mean, you have to – there is some sort of suspension of disbelief when I'm walking down the street. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's a Psyduck. Yesterday yesterday I told the, uh, one of my coworkers, I was like, man, op- open, open the app right now. There's a Bulbasaur right around here. And I'm just like waving my hand in the general area. Yeah. <laughs> And that, that's exactly it, is that you are willing, even if you were not the one playing, you're willing to suspend belief or other disbelief that this thing is happening. And innovative, I mean, it is one of the first mainstream AR games that is, well, the first one to reach this magnitude, obviously. So that's another part of it. Um, another one is that play is for the self and then it helps take you away from the grim realities of the world and lets you escape and take a break and relax from everyday life. We kind of touched on that when we were talking about the Holocaust Museum. You know, when I was at my doctor's appointment today, I was really bummed because there was no Pokemon to catch and I was too far away from any Pokestops, which, you know, for me, the doctor is not where I want to be. I want to be distracted. 
And there's another one, play is frivolous. So that there's nothing. It The stakes, it there's ha- no stakes. Really. It doesn't yeah. have to mean anything. Yeah. Like play is, play is done for itself. And so that's, that's four, that's four of the seven. That's over half of the rhetorics. And I'm sure you can make arguments for the rhetoric of progress, fate and power in the game as well. So from a game design perspective, one of the reasons Pokemon Go is so, so engaging is because it's hitting these different areas of interest. And just like you were saying, for some people, the strategy in the game is what's rewarding. For some people, it's the collection in the game that's rewarding. For some people, it's going to be comparing. For some people, it's going to be going out with their friends. And the more ways you have to play a game, the more ways there are to derive enjoyment from the game, the more people are going to enjoy the game. And that's something I have not seen mentioned in any of these articles. It's just the the, the foundation of play itself. Now, I think you mentioned the, the Wired article about human beings have always collected. And yes, there is a theory, I think it's Heisinga theory, that play is practice. That might No, that's not Heisinga. That's, I can't remember. Not Heisinga. But play is practice, meaning that Brown, there we go, Stuart Brown, that when we play, we're actually rehearsing stuff that's important in real life. Yeah. So the idea of collecting things and coming together as a group and having a social identity, these are all things that are important to human beings, uh, whether you want to say evolutionarily, whether you want to say currently. I mean, think about middle school. It is all about having the right group. <laughs> Otherwise, you just don't survive. Uh, but that's another aspect of it that I haven't seen mentioned anywhere. I do think nostalgia plays a large role. I mean, one of the reasons that the game is so popular is because there are so many people who have experienced Pokemon. There's... I mean, it started with our generation, Josue, playing with the the cards and Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow. And, you know, from it's still popular with, with kids. I know a lot of the therapy kids I work with love Pokemon, whether it's the digital or the card game. And so there's this giant 30, 20, 30 years of people who Pokemon was a really important part or, or is a really important part of their life. And now it's not just that there's a game about the game that they love they actually get to become that game. You are the trainer. You get to go catch the Pokemon. And I mean, it's the same thing as if, you know, you could go to Jedi Training Academy or you could actually get on, uh, or uh, I know they were announcing a new uh, Star Trek game for VR. Oh, and there's a, at the Intrepid Museum here in New York, um, I'm going to go either this weekend or next and I get to join the Academy and go through, use a tricorder and do all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so it's not just about playing, even though play and play by itself is totally fine, but it's about this, you get to experience and internalize that you are this thing that you really, really like. And I think that's another thing that goes very much um, under, under talked about, but those aren't really words, but um, they're just, they're not really respected as, as things, you know, oh, well, it's, I had somebody post on my wall that, you know, one of the comments I had is stop calling it gamification. Pokemon Go is not gamification. It is a game. So stop insulting it by calling it gamification. Yeah. And I had somebody go off on me about how gamification is fine. And, you know, we're all just Skinner boxes anyway. Oh. <laughs> and I didn't even respond because I just, I, I didn't want to waste my, my finger strength typing out the response. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's so much more than just, oh, it's a game that people are nostalgic for and because we're all mindless automatons that are being rewarded and getting dopamine shots. Yeah. And and so I've been thinking about the same thing, right? I'm reading every single article that that comes my way and it's it's mind-blowing the the degree of which people are again trying to justify what is happening. And uh, honestly, I don't think I don't think this is sustainable at all, <laughs> right? I think that um, it's definitely going to taper off and it's going to taper off soon, but it's still going to be popular for a while, regardless of whether or not they they have the timing um, perfectly in terms of introducing more Pokemon to catch and things like that. And But uh, I just reread, I think it was... I forgot what number chapter it was in Reality is Broken, but it's it talks about social gaming. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that stood out to me and and kind of explains what what I think, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> we're mentioning that everybody is doing this, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do it too. <laughs> right? If I had to boil it down to one thing that's like the most 
it is complex. There's a lot of things at play, but I think that the, or at least the most exciting thing for me right now, and what I what I see a lot of people um, doing is this idea of forming a community versus being a crowd uh, that's mm-hmm. in the book, and it's I feel so great walking around and knowing that all of these other people are enjoying the same thing that I'm enjoying. Yep. For whatever reason it is, we have something in common. It's that thing where you see somebody with a T-shirt about something that you like or, you know, and, but this is at a level where I've never experienced it. This is one of the reasons I've been to San Diego Comic-Con. I've been to, we, we went to PAX East earlier this year. Those are places where everybody is there to celebrate the things that they love. And the reason why I love going to those places, regardless of how, the odds are that you're going to end up sick. <laughs> you're going to catch con flu. Um, it's expensive. It's loud. Um, there, there's lots of reasons why not to do it. But that feeling of community is so huge and so – it's just so incredible. And it's something that is lacking in everyday life. And all of a sudden, it's, it's, it's in my everyday life. It's in my office like nobody in the office likes what things that I like, you know, it's in, it's on the street, it's in the store, it was at the zoo, <laughs> right? you know, and, and that is what is incredible. And I think that's why I think it, like, it, it irks me so much. It bothers me so much the, the hate that some people are trying to spout on this experience because it really is a celebration. Everybody is just enjoying it. Everybody is, and everybody is on this level playing field and everybody's experiencing it as, as brand new. And the community aspect of it is what is huge because as far as all those mechanics and things that I talked to you about before, to be completely honest, it's, it's a very limited version of what's in the, in the game, especially as it exists now. So I every day I get closer to wanting to boot up um, Alpha Sapphire again and and just you know continue the progress that I that I had on the 3DS game instead of playing this for for those reasons. But I still love the fact that now I can walk around and still be be a trainer and I have this experience that's kind of mine, but it's also shared in a way that I've, I I can't think of a single time other than things when you know when Star Wars came out. It was, you could kind of feel that, but it wasn't, we didn't have anything to, to take with us. Right. You know, we could talk about it, but there wasn't an interactive component to it. And this is, is, it's just, it just feels so good. You're acting out with all these other people. And that aspect of community to me, I think, is what is, is what is happening right now. So I love the fact that there are, um, entrepreneurial articles on how to maximize Pokestops for your business. <laughs> the fact that T-Mobile said that we're not going to count uh, Pokemon Go data against your data plan is one of the smartest things I've ever heard. <laughs> yep. Okay. I love this. If I'm eating this up because now it's at every single level and it's and it, it doesn't really matter if you if you played it 20 years ago when it came out or not because it's new and fresh and 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 we're all enjoying it the same way. And we can all talk about how buggy it was last week um, compared to now. <laughs> you know, how many times did you log in those first uh, days? <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, to my benefit, I was at RTX when it officially launched. So oh, I actually okay. didn't get it until maybe a few days in when some of the bugs had been resolved. But even now, I'm, I'm fighting a Krabby and it'll freeze. And even though I caught the Krabby, I don't actually have him and my ball is gone and, and or if I try to take a gym it doesn't it doesn't work very well listen there is a geodude and an onyx that 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 have eluded me they're in my pokedex now but I haven't caught them because of those I don't it just oh but at least we can all relate to that too you know it's yeah. even it's not like the android users are having a better experience than the iphone users it's all we're all kind of sharing you know it, it crosses every single divide possible <laughs> yeah i mean uh, and again going back to this social thing it's i think kind of rare when you get something that can be so social in person and online you know, yeah. games themselves are pretty social. A lot of people I know, you know, we, we game online and then there's conventions two or three times a year that I go out to and I get to see these people in, in person and I don't really make new friends at PAX so much. Um, 
Whereas this, if I go out walking, like I, I feel terrible. I just got a text from my husband saying he's ready to be picked up from the metro, and I told him, "Sorry, I'm I'm recording. I can't leave right now." His response says, "That's okay. I can walk and hunt." Yes. <laughs> so that's, yes. that's what he's gonna do on his on his way home instead of me coming to get him. Um, so that there's the the physical component that he and I can walk around, and we're gonna find other people who are playing, people who are complete strangers, and we can ask them, you know, what team are you on, or have you seen any good Pokemon, or you know, what what's going on. Uh, people that we would never talk to in a million years, probably anyway. Yeah. But then there's also the online component where when I caught a Psyduck, I instantly shared it on my Twitter feed because that is that is my Pokemon. I mean, Psy is in psychology and then Duck and my nickname is Goose. And oh, I, told, just, I told you that was the official podcast of the show, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, so the excited Pokemon when I got for the show too. is, is yeah. Psyduck. Um, you know, and so I, I was able to share that. And I, I think that's been one of the most exciting things that I've seen either in my social feeds or people talking about is them sharing the experience of getting that epic catch or finding their favorite Pokemon or finally, and, and not just talking about it, but being able to take a picture of it and then share it with people um, on- online or through their feeds and, and whatnot. And I think it does make you feel really connected. I'm on a Facebook group with a bunch of my friends who live all over the United States. We've already have um, apparently. <laughs> This happened while I was sleeping, but apparently we're all getting Team Instinct t-shirts. So the next time we meet up, you know, when, again, we've got people in New Jersey and we've got people in Maryland and D.C. and all over the place. But we're all going to meet up and wear our Team Instinct shirts and go pokey hunting, like the next time that happens. And so I just, I think it's so unusual and rare and wonderful to have a game that not only is it good for physical, like IR, I hate IRL, uh, physical socialization, you know, socialization in the stra- same place with complete strangers, as well as socialization with friends, as well as digital socialization. Like it, it's really, if you play games for any kind of social aspect, you are really going to enjoy Pokemon as long, again, provided that you have friends to play with. Yeah. So. Yeah. I was thinking about how maybe people who live in more rural areas um, oh, they're hating it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, I agree with what you're saying, that there are enough, um, there's enough digital socialization around the game that even if you were playing on your own um, outside and nobody's like, maybe this is like the saddest thing I can imagine is that you you capture a gym and nobody ever captures it again. Like you're just a gym leader forever there. Oh, but then you're making bank. <laughs> yes, 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 right? But but there's like, you're missing out on part of it, but there's still enough. There's memes and there, there are so many posts. And you're there part are, of the culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can still join in and talk about what you did that day because you still, you can still have a, a similar experience. You got to participate. Yeah. Although that, that is one of the things I have noticed. There was an article about, uh, you know, people in rural towns are having a harder time because there might be miles between their Poke stops. Yeah. Uh, I saw another article about how Pokemon Go is really unfriendly to the physically disabled, you mm-hmm. know, because a lot of it is predicated on walking. Yeah. So that's that one hit a little kind of close home to me. because I, I am not physically disabled, but I am nine months pregnant. So walking the two or three blocks to the nearest pokey stop in Washington DC in in July when it's 100 degrees like I can't I can't do it. And so my pokey stops really are when I go to pick up my husband or run errands and I'll take long ways around or I'll loop around the parking lots because that's the only way I can I can get the stops. So there there are definitely limitations and again as we mentioned at the very top of the show, you know, it's it's not it's not the end of times. It's also not perfect by any means, but it. I think it's a really cool demonstration of what can happen when you have a game that is well-designed and probably one of the first major releases that cuts across age and gender and um, a lot of socioeconomic status, you know, inner city versus, uh, versus urban. There's... Like this to me is what happens when you give the first full generation of gamers something that reminds them of their childhood and how powerful that is, you know, going that shared experience is going forward. So I guess that's it for the first episode of, of Headshots. We, we Did you almost say psych tech? I did I not. Almost, I oh, did good. Because I, I, I heard psych tech in my head. I was like, wait a minute. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I did not. I did not. Um, yeah, that that that's it. Um, I, I hope you enjoyed it. Please join us um, for future episodes. Is there anything else you you want to tell people, um, our wonderful listeners, before we well, go? 
If you if you like what you hear, as we mentioned, we have Psych Tech, which is another podcast that we do, and it is more broadly on psychology and technology. So we'll talk about apps and computers and AI and things like that. Whereas Headshots is really just all about games and psychology, which is you know which is our our home base. So if you like what you hear here and you want to know more, you can find us uh, on Psych Tech uh, again. That's our other podcast. And you know if you enjoy Headshots, let us know. You can tweet at us. You can. Uh, find us on social media and, uh, you know, maybe maybe join Team Instinct, you know, the, the best team. Um, or Team Blue, which doesn't go around um, like Team Rocket wearing their emblem on T-shirts going around. I don't know. That's kind of weird, Kelly. Um, it's so- part of my social identity. All right. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> it's one of the rhetorics of play, Josue. <laughs> find us at headshotspodcast.com and at headshots cast on twitter so i've I've been working on a a closing line okay go for it boom headshots we'll we'll have to talk about that (laughs) in the future (laughs) but for now we'll we'll, 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 that can be a blooper we'll leave it in that can be an easter egg we'll leave we'll leave it in we'll leave it in (laughs) 